You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Out of the Blue on this sunny Sunday morning. My name's Donna, and I'm also joined in the studio by Matt. Good morning, Donna. You are tuned to 855 AM 3CR Community Radio, or you're streaming online at 3cr.org.au, or you're listening to our podcast. We are interviewing Simon Brannigan this morning from The Nature Conservancy, and I will intro him as soon as we get back from this short little 3CR cart. Blues, reggae, jazz, opera, roots, curry, or world music you're into, 3CR's music menu is serving it up to you. You're with Music Sans Frontier, music from around Australia and around the world. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Great Voices. You're listening to Hit Sister Hop on 3CR 855 AM. Music matters on 3CR, 12 noon every Friday. Keep these diverse tunes on the air by subscribing to 3CR. Call 9419 Welcome back to Out of the Blue on 855 AM 3CR. Uh, my name's Donna and Matt's here with me and Simon Brannigan's on the phone. Hi Simon, how are you? Uh, good morning, Donna. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, so for our listeners, Simon Brannigan uh, is the Marine Restoration Coordinator from the Nature Conservancy and listeners may also know him from his days at the Victorian National Parks Association where um, I'm sure we've interviewed you in previous, um, in previous shows about that. Um, Simon grew up fishing and diving in Queensland and surfing all over Australia and has spent 15 years working on the restoration of estuarine and coastal ecosystems around the country. Um, he's also been on the board of Surf Riders Foundation Australia and was chairperson of for, for Environment Tasmania as well. 
Um, Simon's work now, though, at the Nature Conservancy is working on a program called the Great Southern Seascapes Program um, in Victoria, and we're here to talk to him today about that and the Port Phillip Bay Reef Restoration Project, um, which is all about mussel reefs in Corio Bay and around Port Phillip Bay. Um, so welcome to the show, Simon. Thanks for making time for us. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, so just for our listeners who aren't familiar with the Nature Conservancy, can you just give us a bit of a, a wrap about what that organisation does and, and your role within it? No problem. So the Nature Conservancy is one of the largest conservation groups throughout the world. Uh, we touch down in about 60 countries, have 4,000 staff and 600 of those are, are scientists so we're all we're focused on protecting um, nature, both for the benefit of nature and people, and been operating in Australia for the last 12 or so years. So that's, mm-hmm. I guess, a very quick snapshot of the Nature Conservancy. Amazing. And is it all, um, it's all oceanic, marine, terrestrial, all ecosystems covered, right? That's right. So we work on all sort of all ecosystems. The, the work we do in Australia sort of is reflective of the work that we do worldwide. So we work up north, um, particularly with Indigenous communities around um, sort of bringing back traditional um, land practices with a, a, with a modern science twist to a lot of areas. We also work in the savannah country um, in terms of fire and, and carbon, so getting investment in those areas. We've got a really exciting water-packed investment fund that we've developed in the Murray-Darling Basin that benefits um, the environment there. We've got a Melbourne Cities project, and I work on the, the Great Southern Seascapes. Amazing. So a really diverse, really diverse package yeah. of, of work. Incredible. Um, so, yeah, if you could tell us a little bit about the Great Southern Seascapes program, that would be great. So Great Southern Seascapes started in 2014, Mm-hmm. And what it's really focused on is catalyzing um, marine restoration throughout southern Australia. And so southern Australia is from Sydney down south, um, Victoria, South Australia, Tasmania, around to around Geraldton in, in Western Australia. For years and years, there's been a lot of investment in land restoration. There's a very big land care network. Uh, however, there's, there's not a lot of attention that's been placed on um, restoring habitats in the marine environment. And also, historically, a lot of the focus and funding for investment has really gone towards the Great Barrier Reef. The Great Barrier Reef is a really iconic asset that is certainly under threat, um, but arguably our Great Southern Sea Sapes are just as endemic and warrant the same level of investment and care as well. Yeah. And so on a local level, that's being expressed through the Reef Restoration Project, which has been going for around three years now. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we're restoring shellfish reefs in a, in a few different estuaries. Um, the first project in Australia was in Port Phillip Bay. Uh, maybe I can sort of step back a little bit um, in regard to the, the history of shellfish reefs. Yeah, sure, that would be great. Into the project. Yep. So there was a lot of bays and estuaries in the southern Australia that were, were once dominated by shellfish reef habitat, so that's mussel reefs and oyster reefs. There's a number of different bivalve species, however, it's the oysters and the mussels that, that actually create uh, reefs. So Port Phillip Bay, for example, up to 50% of the seafloor was once dominated by shellfish reefs. Geelong Arm oh. was quite a hot spot for oyster reefs. And then if you go around to um, sort of the Mornington area, sort of Caram, that was more so um, dominated by the mussel reefs. 
When the Europeans first came to Australia, they loved the oysters. Um, prior to that, our traditional owners around the bay harvested those shellfish reefs sustainably for thousands of years. The, the Europeans came along. Um, the first gold rush in Victoria and many other places was the harvesting of, of oysters, both to eat, both to bottle, to expert, export, and also to uh, burn in lime kilns to, to make a lot of the um, historic buildings in Melbourne and elsewhere. So the damage was done really early. And in fact, the first fisheries regulations in many parts of Australia was around limiting that harvest of, of oysters. Simon, I'm sorry, just a quick question. I was just wondering, um, how do you establish the historic distribution of the shellfish? Are there good records going back that far? Listen, it's a, it's a really good question, um, particularly when a lot of the damage was done pretty early. Uh, in Port Phillip Bay, there's a few different ways we've gone about it. We've um, looked at old fisheries records around the, the modern harvest of oyster reefs and mussel reefs. Uh, we've also interviewed commercial fishermen and, and recreational fishermen uh, in a GIS participatory trust study. So looked at where they considered the reefs used to be in Port Phillip Bay, overlaid that on fisheries records. And there's also a few older publications, a really fascinating pub- publication called Western Port Fishermen that talks about the, the, uh, the dredging for, for oyster reefs in Western Port and Port Phillip Bay and, and Corner Inlet. Uh, that's a really sort of fascinating um, stock take on that, on that early history. Cool. Um, and I know the building where I work in the city, um, when it was being built, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, um, when they were doing the dig for it, they, you know, to do the foundations and whatnot, they actually found a whole lot of um, mussel oyster shells and um, it became an archaeological dig site then for a year delaying um, the building of the building. And now throughout the foyer there, there's a whole heap of these artefacts that were found. So it's, you know, definitely um, a part of Melbourne, I guess, that hasn't been forgotten in that, in that sense, and I'm sure there's hundreds of other buildings around Melbourne where this this kind of things happen to, which um, yeah, kind of goes to show the the impact and the amount of these shells that were be, being kind of taken from the bay and eaten in various parts of the city at, at various times too, while it was being established by Europeans. Um, it's a really interesting yeah, that's right, space. But- yeah, that's right. So the, the, the origins, I guess, um, at least European Melbourne was sort of um, built off the back of the, the oyster reefs and, and mussel reefs in the bay. And another really interesting study we did was looking at the number of locations around Australia that have references to the oysters. So, so for example, in um, Geelong, there's a lime burners bay, which oh, yeah. you may have heard of. There's, yeah. there's a number of oyster harbours around the country. So there's a 160 locations throughout Australia that have reference to oysters to oysters and, and generally that reference because not only were they harvesting but they're also sort of using them for for lime so i guess that's another way mm. we've looked at um developing a, a sort of a baseline and there was a uh, a report that was produced uh, about 10 years ago that looked at um, shellfish reefs worldwide and 85 um, percent of the shellfish reefs worldwide ha- have been largely lost and that's 99 percent in southern Australia, so that's even wow. higher. So it's, a, it's the most sort of threatened mm. marine um, ecosystem, um, in one of the most threatened marine ecosystems in Australia at the moment. Obviously, there's a lot of issues with um, macrocystis, macrocystis and other species as well. Mm, similar to our grasslands, I think, yeah, there's an enormous yeah. amount of, um, yeah, clearing and degradation, de- 
recreation habitat. Do you think there's a similar mindset as well that people, <clears throat> like Donna's example, to think, oh, it's just grass, or it's just shellfish, it's not as important as, say, a, a coral reef to prefer uh, to preserve? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting point. I guess we've all grown up with the only really way we know oysters is through um, ordering them at a restaurant or, or a cafe and then linking them back to sort of the ecosystem services that they provide. A lot of people don't sort of have that, that threat. You know, back in the 1800s, there would have been well over a billion oysters in the bay and they're cre- incredibly efficient at filtering water, providing habitat and stabilising sediments. So whilst the Port Phillip Bay is in pretty good condition, uh, we could certainly make it a lot healthier. We're never going to bring it back to, to how it used to be, but we can certainly continue to invest and improve Port Phillip Bay as we could with Western Port, Corner Inlet and, and other bays and estuaries in Victoria. Mm. And so is that the main goal of the reef restoration pro, uh, project? Is it for those biodiversity or ecosystem services um, that these um, species provide to our bay? That's right. So, the, yeah, it was, so basically it's about improving the, the biodiversity and the health of Port Phillip Bay. So it was a project that was started in 2014. It's a partnership between the Nature Conservancy uh, Alba Park Yachting and Angling Club uh, and um, the Victorian State Government. And since it started, we've had a number of organisations that sort of support the, 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 the work now. A couple of examples are uh, Victorian National Park Association, um, BR Fish uh, and many others. I'll, I'll miss people out if I <laughs> start mentioning too many names, but there's, there's a, a lot of strong sort of community support. We have restored about 1.5 hectares of reef in the bay already so that's patch reefs over that footprint and the two areas that we're working in is in is wilson spit which is in geelong arm around where um, if you stand at clifton springs boat ramp and look out towards the yuyangs it's just on the other side of the the shipping channel there around the border of cryo bay and out of geelong harbour and the other site is hobson's reef off um, sorry um hobson's bay um, margaret's reef off off st kilda um, both these sites are old shellfish reefs that are sort of largely dead and buried. So there still are uh, revenant blue oysters and the Australian Garzi, the, the Australian flat oyster in the bay, but not at a very big population base. Hmm. So do you, um, how do you do the reef restoration? So I read that you um, source uh, oyster shells from the restaurant hospitality sector, is that right? And then they're um, treated somehow um, and then taken back out into the bay and put on these reefs, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I'll go back a step. Mm-hmm. So Portfolio Bay is both substrate and recruitment limited. So what I mean by that, they, they do a lot of uh, reef restoration in Chesapeake Bay in um, Washington, D.C., and in Chesapeake Bay, all they need to do is put out a reef substrate and the oysters will naturally come to that reef substrate. Whereas in Port Phillip Bay, we've, we've got to both put out the substrate and also grow the oysters or mussels in, in the hatchery. So there's two ways in which we, we lay down the reef base. Uh, we use limestone rubble, um, which limestone has a quite a high calcium content, which is attractive for bivalves to settle on and grow. And as you mentioned, we also have established a shell recycling um, project called Chuck, Don't Chuck. Mm. So we're recycling um, shells from seafood wholesalers and restaurants. Um, for example, Little Creatures in Geelong and Wawaji and, and also South Melbourne Markets have got on board. So we recycle um, 
uh, oyster shells, mussel shells and scallop shells. We um, quarantine weather. We might have just lost Simon there for a sec, so we're going to cut to a song and we'll get him back on the line. But I lost all of them And I've been searching in the night And I've been searching in the rain I tried to find them But they disappeared They walked away They dressed in black They left my side And all I say is that I wasted time When I look for them For now I know that things gone past Are never to be found again No, never, never again I had nine lives But lost all of them Hmm But that's deeply irrelevant. What is relevant is that you're listening to 3CR on what's that frequency again, dear? 855. I told you, Helen. 855. And what is relevant is that you're not listening to that other crap. So well done. 
Welcome back to um, 855 AM 3CR. You are tuned to Out of the Blue. That song was called The Lost Song by the Cat Empire. It's Donna and Matt and on the line, back on the line, <laughs> Simon Brannigan. Sorry about that, Simon. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm uh, not sure where I was. Where I, <laughs> I kept on talking and I figured maybe I'm not talking to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So where were we? <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about reef base. I'm not sure where I got about shell recycling. Yeah, yeah, great. So um, we were talking about uh, the different substrate surfaces and how mussels yes. attach to different things. Um, yes. But in the bay, it's a little different because they like a really solid base, not just a, a sandy substrate to start colonising. Well, yeah, that's right. So we, we did a, a pilot trial uh, back in 2015 which was um, involved sort of at the time Fisheries Victoria, now the Victorian Fisheries Authority, and also a PhD um, candidate from um, University of Melbourne, Ben Cleveland, was, was leading that work. So looking at what do oysters and mussel require to both to survive and grow in the bay, and one of the key outcomes from that study was that you need to elevate them off the bottom, and also that Geelong and Hobson's Bay are quite different areas which are going to need different sort of approaches to restoration. So we've, we've both used limestone rubble and elevation and also recycled shells. And currently the limestone and elevation works really well in Hobson's Bay. The recycled shells, not as much. Whereas at Wilson Spit at Geelong Arm, the recycled shell base is, has been quite successful um, to date. But we obviously we need to continue to monitor that over time. Hmm. And so it's not just um, the shellfish that are colonising... Um, the different um, substrates that you've been laying down, but there's other fish and other species that are coming back to these areas too that may not have been there before. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So just to sort of finish off that thread, mm. so once we put down the reef base, but the idea is to put the reef base out at the time of the year when the natural recruitment cycles happen. So for the, for the native Australian flat oyster, that's sort of November to March. So we, mm-hmm. we get the substrate out in sort of October, November, and for the mussels, sort of June is the hot spot. So, so we um, want to um, capitalise on as much natural recruitment as possible. And then parallel to that, we're, we're growing the, the oysters in, in the hatchery, um, where some of the recycled shells are used as a surrogate for the oyster larvae to, to land on and grow. Uh, and then we seed those reefs with the seeded cultch mm-hmm. and with the mussels. There's an aquaculture farmer that's growing about 11 tonnes of mussels out in the bay at the moment okay. and wild fat set and we'll be seeding those bases with that. So we monitor those reefs every six months. Um, so shellfish metrics to abundance and growth of oysters, survival over time. And also the other method we use is reef life surveys. So with the reef life surveys, we're both looking at sort of... Um, cryptic and mobile fish species. So on both reefs, we've, we've had quite big schools of um, snapper, um, for, exam- for example, uh, weed whiting and sort of many other fish species. And um, there's some, some black urchins popping up, 11-armed sea star. So we are finding that both areas are, are recovering. Um, Hobson's Bay is recovering um, more quickly, but there's certainly been an increase in both sort of... Um, fish and other species since they've been restored. Amazing. And 
I'm going to go back now to the hatchery. Are they hard to grow? Yes. And what's the, um, you know, how, how do you do it, I guess? How do you seed them and grow so, them? Like- so the, the Australian flat oyster is a bit trickier to grow than, say, the Pacific or the Sydney rock. Um, the species is a, is a, is a brooder. So the, um, the male oyster will sort of uh, release the, the sperm um, and then the, um, that will go to the female oyster and the, and the female oyster sort of broods that larvae, whereas Pacific and Sydney rock, it all happens in the water column. So mm. I guess they, they produce, I guess, uh, a lot more um, larvae. So it's, it's a little bit tricky in, in that sense, but it, it, can, be, it can be done. And we've found that scallop shells work quite well as a surrogate for the oysters to land on. So just, I guess very quickly, they, they bring in broodstock from Port Phillip Bay, the mature uh, oysters. They, they place them in sort of in a, in a tank. Uh, they do their thing. Um, they release sort of thousands of, of oyster larvae. And after two weeks, um, they develop eyes, become sticky. And by sticky means that they need to land on something to grow to get to the next life stage. Um, so that's mm. when we use those um, scallop shells on them to land on and grow. Yeah, right. Amazing. Um, and you will see you, you will see oysters and mussels obviously on um, jetties and piers throughout Port Phillip Bay. Um, but the problem these days is that historically there would have been thousands of acres of reef. Mm. So now they have nothing to land on and grow. Yeah, and your progress project is changing all of that um we've got a few minutes left i've got a couple of notes here that there are some upcoming volunteer opportunities to get involved right. with um, yep. monitoring for the program can you share that with our listeners please yes thank you Thanks. for mentioning that so mm-hmm. we have uh so part of our six monthly monitoring cycle we we need volunteers to give us a hand with the shellfish metrics so measuring oysters and mussels um, there's two locations that'll be happening: uh, Williamstown at Warby's boat ramp, and also at Gibson Springs. Um, there's essentially five days' work over two weeks, and we need sort of good weather windows in order for the, the Nature Conservancy divers to go down and grab a subsample of, of oysters or mussels from the reefs. So it's the first week of September, which I believe is the third to the seventh, and then the third week of September. Um, sorry, I don't have the dates in front of me. If I, cry, if I quote any numbers, I'll get it wrong. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so we can put it on our Facebook page as well for listeners. Yeah. yeah. So there's so essentially asking people to nominate which location, which day would be suitable. Uh, there's, there's certainly an opportunity to come out on the boat in the morning and the afternoon as well. Um, so whilst it's largely land-based, certainly happy for people to come out in the morning with us and also come out in the afternoon when we return those um, oysters or mussels back to the reefs. Amazing. Wow, I might um, get in contact with you after the show about coming along. It sounds really fun and the project sounds amazing. Um, A couple of other community announcements before we have to head off. The Marine Education Science and Community Centre have a couple of events coming up, one on Saturday the 18th of August um, in Beau Morris and we'll put uh, links to these on our Facebook page as well for our listeners. Um, so that event is on from 10am to 1.30 with a range of speakers including Dr Kate Charlton-Robb from the Marine Mammal Foundation and someone from Melbourne Aquarium and Sea Shepherd Australia all sharing um, their work and 
um, bits and pieces. And there's also an inaugural uh, fossil ex- exposition on at the Beaumaris Yacht Club um, on Sunday the 26th of August from 9.30 till 2.30. Um, so listeners, get on down to those events. We'll um, post all the information about those um, as well as Simon Brannigan's work with the Nature Conservancy and the Reef Restoration Project on our Facebook page so you can get involved um, in all the great things that are happening around Port Phillip Bay. Um, we are going to have to wind up now because Sally is in next with Out of the Pan, but you have been listening to Out of the Blue on 855am or listening on 3cr.org.au or you're listening to our podcast. Thank you very much. I'm Donna. Matt's over there. Thanks, Donna. <laughs> have a good Sunday, everybody. Thank you again, Simon. Lives and breathes.